if you'd like to take a seat. Um, this week, I, I'm just overwhelmed with uh, the just the physical ailments that are represented in our church. Um, folks that are missing out of our service today because of that. Um, people that are in pain uh, physically, emotionally, and we're going to do something that's a little out of our norm, and um, I want to welcome anybody uh, to come up to the front if you'd like to receive prayer um, just for healing. And maybe it's not you. Maybe you're going to stand in for somebody that's not able to be here today, um, but it, physically they're struggling as well. Um, or if you have some something else that isn't physical, if it's emotional or spiritual, um, Scripture says, it says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And a lot of times when they talk about elders, it's not about uh, your age, but your maturity in Christ. And so what I'd like to do this morning is, um, is after these folks come up to receive prayer, I'd like for you to come up and surround them and lay hands on them and just intercede for them while, while I lead us in a time of prayer for that, their physical, emotional, spiritual needs. So if that's you this morning um, and you'd like to receive prayer, would you just come up and join me up here? You can either kneel at the altar or stand if you're able to or sit, whatever that looks like for you. Now, elders, if you'd like to just come, up, come around and lay hands on, on some folks. Jesus, we do this because we believe that you have healing in your name. Lord, that we are not subject to this world in the same way that others are because we have a relationship with you. God, and through your power, through your strength, through your love, God, you want to meet us where, exactly where we are. Jesus, this morning, you know all of the doubts that come alongside praying for health, Lord, praying for healing. Jesus, the doubt that it won't actually happen. Lord, the doubt that what happens if it does. Jesus, but we trust you. God, we believe that you're a God that wants to heal us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint and heal and mend and bring together the things that are broken right now. God, and the folks that have, have come up for prayer today, Jesus, I pray a specific anointing over their current struggle. Lord, that you would work through the doctors, the medication, the counselors, the leaders, uh, the spouses, the friends that are in their lives. Lord, that you would knit that together perfectly 
and that miraculously, Lord, that we may treat things, but you heal them. Lord, I pray for you to have the final word today. Jesus, I pray for you to have the final word on everything that we carry. Jesus, we lay hands today trusting these people with you. Lord, knowing that you have a bigger plan than what this chapter may read. Lord, I pray that we would be able to turn this around into our worship and our praises of you. God, that not only would we we be able uh, to feel your presence healing and mending us, but God, that we would, we would cast that out and share that joy and that hope and that worship with the world. Lord, we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus who intercedes on our behalf. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, good morning. So, uh, has anybody ever thrown their back out before? Anybody? <laughs> okay. Um, anybody ever enjoy it? <laughs> no, not, not really. Uh, the thing about hurting your back, which I've noticed, is that there are things that you can do to prevent it from happening. But once it happens, all that you can do really is wait. Isn't that true? Uh, my, my dad had a herniated disc, and he actually waited for three months. He's 65, and the doctor said, you can wait, you can keep waiting <laughs> for that herniated disc to heal, because it will, but it just depends on how long you're willing to wait. This week, I threw out my back, and I had to ask the same question. How long am I willing to wait for this to work? Um, and last night, as I was getting ready to preach to you guys, I had the conversation with my friends at my house uh, where I said, I think I'm going to have to preach from a chair today. And Valerie, who has been taking care of me most of the week, um, she's been my little home nurse this week, uh, she said, really, it just depends on how much longer you want to wait until this gets healed. <laughs> Uh, if, you're, if you're not going to sit, you're probably going to hurt yourself. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do some imagining with me. And that is that when I say something really powerful, I just want you to imagine me getting in your face. But I will be sitting here this whole time. Um, you're going to have to imagine that I am pacing and walking and showing uh, making sure that I have eye contact that's centered with everybody else. Um, but, but this morning, I myself get to be a sermon illustration of waiting, um, which I thought was poetic justice for this sermon series. So we are in week two of waiting room. And I want to start off with one question, and I'm going to have it on the screen, and it is this. What are you willing to wait for? What are you willing to wait for? You know, there's not a lot of things that we are willing to wait for anymore. If you've ever experienced low internet, you know that to be true, right? You know, when you have all of the world at your fingertips and then suddenly it lags, 
Like, you see people's true colors when slow internet comes into play, right? <laughs> uh, you see the frustration and, and, and the irritation. And there are things that, that I will wait for, though, in this world. Uh, one of them being a place called First Watch. Has anybody ever been to First Watch for breakfast? Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. I will wait an unprecedented amount of time to eat at First Watch on a weekend when the tables are too close together and the waiters are delayed and everybody's in everybody's space and you have to wait forever just to eat breakfast. Now, why would I do that? Well, a little known fact about me is that I love brunch. Like, can we just admit that brunch is fantastic? Like, breakfast is great, but you have to wake up early for that. You know what I mean? And lunch, I like lunch like the next guy, but right in the middle, there's this holy and anointed time when you get to sleep in and still eat breakfast food, and nobody judges you for it. And so um, I love going to brunch, and uh, Valerie and Elizabeth and I, every once in a while, like the stars align, and we have a time where we can go and get brunch together. And so uh, we'll go to First Watch and wait and wait, but I wait with anticipation because there's these things at First Watch called lemon ricotta pancakes. And they're sprinkled with fresh cut strawberries and just, just a dusting of powdered sugar. Next to, next to them is the crispiest, wonderfulest bacon you've ever tasted and some of the fluffiest eggs known to mankind with just a hint, just a hint of chives, which I love. And I will wait for that. Alongside of that, they bring you a cup of coffee that puts all diner coffee to shame. And I will wait for that. And they have a creamer next to it. And they have options, not just plain, but in the holidays, they have pumpkin spice. And I will wait for that because it's worth it. Now, you may walk in and say, I don't think this is worth the wait. But I know what I'm about, okay? Uh, <laughs> and I would wait for that. And there may be things in your life that you would wait for. You know, maybe a band or a musician that you would love to see, and you would wait forever. Um, how many of you have an iPhone in this? Yeah, a lot of us. When the iPhone 6 came out, which, mind you, that was a few years ago, right? But the iPhone 6 came out. There was people that camped outside of Apple stores for 19 days. Nin think about what you were doing 19 days ago, okay? All that time was spent on the sidewalk outside of an Apple store just so that they could be the first people to have the phone. 19 days. See, there are certain things that we will wait for. And this is why, is that we will wait for what we anticipate, right? We will wait for those fluffy, lemony, beautiful, flat discs that they bring out. We will wait for the latest and greatest iPhone if we are that excited about it. We will wait for what we anticipate. Now, on the other side of that, there are times when waiting is just plain painful and not in an inconvenient way. Not in a way that's like, wow, the wait at the restaurant is that long, I'm not going to go. There's waiting when we have somebody who's in surgery and we're waiting to find out if they're going to make it. Um, a couple weeks ago, it was the day after Christmas, uh, my uh, niece's dad, Jesus, he went missing. Um, we still haven't found him. 
and is waiting to hear if he's okay. Waiting to hear if Lola is going to be crushed by that. That kind of waiting is painful. It's waiting to hear back from an employer to see if you can pay your bills next month. It's waiting for the test results to come back. It's waiting to start a family, to start a life, to start a new chapter. And waiting like that, it hurts at a deeper level, doesn't it? Have you ever experienced that kind of waiting? And yet, those moments when we have to wait, they are some of the most important moments in your relationship with the Lord. They will form you in those moments. What happens uh, between where you are and where God wants you to be, that space is crucial. That space changes you. You know, and maybe this morning you are waiting on something. You're waiting for the Lord to intervene in somebody or someone or some situation. You're waiting for him to provide. I don't know what it is. But if you're waiting on something, let me tell you, this, this chapter matters. Waiting on God will either wreck or root your faith. It will either tear apart the picture of God's goodness that you have, or it will refine it. It, it will either weigh you down and wreck your view of who God is, or it will show you with a new clarity, who he really is. In waiting, we learn so much. Which is funny to me because this series is called Waiting Room, and I never seem to learn much when I'm sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's office. <laughs> I, I maybe get a glazed-off look or, like, conquer a couple of levels on my iPhone games, you know, I don't know. But but I never seem to learn much in waiting. And this is the catch about the season of waiting that you're in, is that it is very easy to miss the most important lessons that God has for you. Because instead of leaning into the lessons, we groan, we complain, we wait. Now the Israelites, they had a moment where they had to wait. Uh, after they had received the promised land, um, later on when Isaiah was prophesying, they were held in captivity. Um, and today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 31. Now this is a very familiar verse, and a lot of you have probably heard it, but it says this. It says, yet those who, who what? Wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not be weary. Now that word there that is used for those who wait on the Lord, a lot of Hebrew words, they have double meanings, uh, kind of like the English language. You know, uh, there can be wait, which is waiting for something, and there can be waiting on somebody. And those are two different meanings. And, and this is the same thing. In Hebrew, this means to wait with anticipation, you know, to wait with hope, but it also means to bind something together with rope. How peculiar is that? Those are two very different things. And Isaiah uses this word intentionally because he says you must bind your life to the promises of God. 
You have to bind your life to God's will. As if you were tying your life to him. Now the context of this verse is important. The Israelites, they're in captivity, and they've already experienced a lot of God's goodness. You know, they were, they were uh, brought out of Egypt and slavery. They were sustained in the wilderness. They were given the promised land. And yet they still find themselves saying, God has forgotten me. Where is God in all of this? And so we enter into this conversation and we have to know a few things about how to wait. And the first one is this. How you wait reveals what you expect. How you wait reveals what you expect. Now, where's the worst place in the world to have to sit and wait? Mm. DMV? Anybody? Mm. I hate waiting in the DMV. Let me tell you why. Because you get a number which seems completely arbitrary. You get down, you see the screen, and there's these numbers, and you have no idea if they're going in order or not. You have no idea how long your wait's going to be. And at the end of it, guess what you get? A piece of paper. Not candy or a, or a cake or event or like some... Even, you don't even get a high five, you know? You just get a piece of paper and, and, and the security to know that you are a law-abiding citizen, right? You know what you don't see at the DMV? You don't see somebody camping out for 19 days at the DMV, right? <laughs> Nobody's like, man, I just can't wait until I get my license and registration. I can't wait to carry around a terrible selfie of myself for the next five years. Like, that just doesn't happen because we don't expect this wonderful, great thing at the DMV. See, but when we do expect greatness, we wait differently. We just do. And Isaiah, he, he's talking to the Israelites, and, and he starts saying, you guys are crazy. Look at verse 27. It says, Oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? Like, just listen, like, just that, that question alone. How can you say that the Lord doesn't see your troubles? Then he says, Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. That's expectation. Isaiah looks at Israel and he's like, are you guys kidding me? How could you believe that God has forgotten you? How could you even understand? How could you even get there? Have you seen all that God has done and all that he is capable of? And yet the Israelites find themselves groaning. They find themselves complaining. They find themselves waiting to get out of captivity. Now I imagine that we also do this. We forget. We forget all that God has done. And we wait for him to show up but maybe not with the expectation that he actually will. Ouch. How many times is saying, I'll pray about it, a last-ditch effort in your life? Well, I've done everything else. I guess I'll pray for it and see if that does anything. And Isaiah says to the Israelites, have you not seen that this is the same God that delivered you out of Egypt, 
that sustained you in the wilderness, that gave you the promised land, how could you think that he has forgotten about you? I think we each have our our own Israel-like stories of how God delivered us out of unimaginable circumstances. And maybe this morning he would say, I have not forgotten about you. How could you possibly think that I have forgotten about you? Because the Israelites, I get it, they just want to go home. They're in captivity. They're stuck. They just want to go home. Have you ever had a moment where you just want to go home, right? Like all my introverts are like, praise the Lord. Yeah, I have it every hour, okay? <laughs> I, I'm an extrovert, and there are a lot of times I just want to go home. I had an experience, and I will tell you, I was in captivity not too long ago. Um, not by the Babylonians or anything, but by the South Dakotans, which I would argue might be worse. Um, you know, maybe not, but uh, I went to go visit my family for Christmas, and I got there on Christmas, and I was leaving on the 29th. It was a perfect plan, and then the 27th rolls around, and they issue a winter weather advisory, and the state of South Dakota issues a state of emergency on the 28th, and they close the interstate on the night of the 28th, now, when I say they close the interstate, I literally mean, like, there's only one, okay? Um, they closed it. And, and I'm thinking, man, but if anybody knows how to fly in snow, it's people that fly out of South Dakota. So I'll be fine. That's where I started that was wrong. But um, I get to the Sioux Falls airport. I have Lucy with me, and I've sedated her, so she's high as a kite. Um, and we, we make our way to our gate, and the second I get to my gate, I'm not kidding you, I see the thing tick over, and it says, now departing at, and it said an hour later, and I thought, an hour, that's fine, they probably have to defrost the plane, they probably have to thaw the captain and out back, I don't know, um, that's fine, and so I sit there, and I'm talking to my friend on the phone, and Lucy's, you know, probably seeing beautiful pictures in her mind, and dreaming about giant bones and stuff, and, um, then it ticks over and it says it's delayed another hour. And then after that, it delays it 20 minutes. And then after that, another 20 minutes. And then after that, another 20 minutes. Then they come over the intercom and they say, we're having mechanical issues with your plane. And I thought, I'd still get on it. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to go home, right? And I've been in the Sioux Falls airport, which if you can imagine, uh, being in an airport is not fun. Imagine being in the Sioux Falls airport for five hours, okay, with your looped-up dog and uh, just waiting to go home. And, and finally, I wait another hour, and they come over the intercom, and this time it's the captain. And when the ca captain comes over the intercom, you know his trouble. And he says to us, he says, they're going to let me fly this plane to Denver for maintenance, but they're not going to let me put any of you guys on it. And I thought, what paperwork do I have to sign? Uh, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I'm good with it. Just get me home. And so they usher us out to the ticketing counter where we need to rebook. Now, did you know that they can fit 100 people in one of those tiny planes in South Dakota? Because I didn't, but they were all in a single file line at the ticketing counter to rebook. And I was number 99. And I'm waiting. And I'm crying. And my dog... She's gone. You know, she's, she's just gone. And I'm like, God, I just want to go home. 
And finally, they rebook me for three days later in Omaha, Nebraska, which is three hours away. So if you can imagine the Sioux Falls Airport, just think about that, only just like a little bit bigger. And so I go to the, the Omaha Airport three days later, 5 a.m. I get there. I'm ready to go. 7.21, I was supposed to depart. And they come over the intercom. They say, I'm sorry, we're having a mechanical failure with your plane. I'm not kidding you. They say, the brakes are leaking. And I say, do you need them? <laughs> uh, I think it'll be fine, you know? Like, you just got to get there and just, like, bring it to a rolling stop. You know, I don't know. We'll just, we'll just drive around Denver until we stop. It's fine. Um, and so, long story short, I end up sitting in the Omaha airport for, set, no, eight hours. Eight hours with my doped-up dog. We just curled up underneath the chairs on the carpet and just took a nap for, like, two hours, honestly. Um, and I was just going nuts. And I texted some of my closest friends and I said, I need intercession because at this point I was so mad and I was so fuming and I was so tired that all I could pray was, please, 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 please. And I was so frustrated. And I won't put that airline on blast, although it rhymes with punited. Um, <laughs> I was so upset and I had no faith that they were ever going to get me where I needed to go. You know, at, at a certain point, you're like, how many planes have mechanical issues, buddy? Like, what is going on that this is happening three hours away as well? And it, I was insane. And I had no faith that they could do it. And let me tell you what, this happens when we wait on the Lord, right? Because the first time the prayer doesn't happen in a week, we get frustrated. The second week, it comes by and we get discouraged. About a year later, when we're still waiting for him to follow through, we say, man, I don't know if he can actually do it. I don't know if he can physically get me where I'm supposed to be. And I think that we get to that place, don't we? Where we say, I don't know if he has it in him or even if he wants to. At that point, I will tell you, I was wondering, I said, do they even want to get me to Denver? I guess they already have my money, you know? <laughs> like, do they even want, does God even want to answer my prayer at this point? Does he even care? And how you wait in that moment, it illustrates something about you. It illustrates who we think God really is. The Israelites, they just wanted to go home. They just were saying, please, 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 please. And they could not think behind them. They could not think of all the times that God had provided. And they say, please, please, let us home. And we, when we focus on that, when we focus on that frustration and that doubt and that insecurity, man, it shows us what we think about Jesus. But when we focus on the fact that God might have something more in store for us in this waiting room, a miracle happens. When we focus on the fact that God might be teaching you something, things shift. See, look at this. It says, what seems like a pointless waiting room is actually God's most productive workroom. This season of life where you feel stuck is the best moment. Because let me tell you something, you ain't got nothing better to do. But lean in and listen to what he's saying. 
Jeff Mannion, he wrote a book that I recommend to everybody. It's called The Land Between. And, and, and The Land Between, it talks about how to get from where you are to where God wants you to be. And this is what he said. As we pass through the land between, it's crucial to recognize how simply, recognize not simply the hardship, but the reaction to the hardship is forming us. With each discomfort we experience, our responses both reveal the person we are, and they set the trajectory for the person we are becoming. Our responses to the waiting, they reveal who we are, and they set a trajectory for the person we are becoming. Have you ever noticed that God is always late? I mean, his, his timing is perfect, so we don't have to, you don't have to admit it, it's fine. But, but God always seems to not be on my timeline. It's on his timeline. And that's frustrating. That's aggravating. That's hard. But this isn't just something that you and I experience. No, this is all over Scripture. Joseph, look at Joseph, man. He had some guts. Um, he, he had a dream that God was going to have his older brothers bow down to him. And then he does something that only little brothers would ever do. He tells them. You know, and I don't know what sibling would ever respond well to that. And his siblings do not. You know, they sell him into slavery. And then they go to their dad and say, oh, an animal killed him. Sorry, tough luck, you know. And then Joseph waits. He goes from slavery to imprisonment for 24 years. Imagine, think about where you were 24 years ago. That's a long time to wait on God's promise in jail. And I bet every single day for those 24 years, Joseph is thinking, okay, like any day now would be really good, you know? Another person in Scripture, uh, Moses. God says, you're going to be the, the person that I use to deliver the Israelites. And what does Moses do? He goes out and he kills the first Egyptian that he can find. Oh my gosh, this is just as bad as Joseph. <laughs> And Moses goes out and he has to wait 40 years until God will use him. Every day for 40 years, he's wondering, will God ever show up? How long will this wait be? Mary and Martha, their brother is deathly ill and they call on Jesus to come. And guess what Jesus does? Waits for four days. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. And they say to Jesus things that I say to Jesus is, if only you would have been here earlier. You're too late. Oftentimes, when we question the existence of God, it's not about his existence, it's about his timing. If God is real, then where was he when? If God is real, where was he when this happened? If God really is who he says he is, why was he not at fill in the blank? But we have to trust his timing because how we wait illustrates what we think about God. And Abraham, he decides to trust God and Isaac is born. You know, Mary and Martha, they trusted and Lazarus is raised from the dead. Joseph trusts and he is put in second command in all of Egypt. 
Moses trusts and he's able to be used by God. What do you expect from God? A better way to put it is, do you wait like you expect God to show up? I don't know if I do all the time. I think I wait for God sometimes like I wait for punited. Please, 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 please. I have nothing left in me. Just please do this. Which leads me to my my last point, and that is this. We have to wait on the Lord, not on results. (coughs) Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Notice what Isaiah doesn't say to the Israelites. He does not say, wait until captivity's over. Wait until you're free. Wait on tomorrow. It will be better. He doesn't say any of that. He says, wait on the Lord. See, waiting on the Lord is a lot different than waiting on results. Waiting on the Lord, it it is much different than waiting on results. Because when we wait for results, do you know what we look like? And I'm going to stand up for this one because, you know, I'm stubborn. That's fine. Um, Waiting on the Lord, it says, God, when you do your thing, I'll do my thing. It says, okay, God, I prayed about it. (laughs) Any day now. Anytime now, it would be great. It says, God, I will trust you with my finances once you provide more for me. God, I will serve you once this season of life is over. And this is how we become Christians that do absolutely nothing until wait for the stars to align for some opportunity to happen where we may step out and we may be faithful. See, Waiting is something that is so beautiful. Waiting is not just saying that I will wait for the result. It's being patient. It's saying I trust you more than I trust myself. See, when we wait on the Lord, we actually illustrate our love for him. Because, man, love is patient. And you will wait for those you love. The greatest love stories of all time, they are about people that are separated by wars and miles and prejudices and oppression. And despite unimaginable odds, they find each other. The greatest love stories are about waiting. And you're actually a part of one of those great love stories. Isaiah 30, he writes, So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Love is patient and at just the right time, not on your schedule, not on my schedule. It shows up. Love showed up. And it changed everything. 
See, our focus has to shift from results to redeemer. It has to shift from what I'm asking for to who I'm asking. When you focus on who you're asking, what you're asking for becomes a lot more real. I'm going to ask for you to close your eyes, and Amanda, if you'd like to turn off the lights. I just want you to sit in this moment and sit in this question. What are you waiting on right now? Are you waiting on a relationship, on a new chapter? Are you waiting for results? Are you waiting for a breakthrough? Are you waiting on someone else? And in the quietness of your heart, would you name what that is? Now, with all eyes closed, nobody's looking around, or I'll punch them. I just want to challenge you. If that's you, if you say, I'm, I'm waiting on something, would you raise your hand? And maybe if it's a big something, you can raise both of them. That's fine. Lord, I don't want to be in a standoff with you anymore. I don't want to withhold my life. I don't want to withhold my worship. Like I'm waiting for you to hold up your end of the deal. Lord, I trust you. God, your plans are bigger than mine. Your ways are better than mine. God, and if I'm honest with you, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired of waiting. The promise of this verse is that when we wait on the Lord, not on results, when we wait on Him and His promise and His will, that, that He will renew our strength. Jesus, I need that this morning. I need you to renew my strength. I want to run and not grow weary. I want to soar on wings like eagles. Jesus, I want to live a life that is worship-filled and for you. Lord, would you meet me in this waiting? Jesus, I trust you. Now, I've asked our, our team this morning. Um, they're going to give us a little time just to wait on him in this space. Far be it for me to rush a sermon series on waiting. Um, 
This morning I have these little red strands of, of string up here on the altar. And I think about that verse and that translation that says um, we need to bind our lives to the promises, to the will of God. And this is just a tangible reminder of that. Maybe you would take one and you would put it on your water bottle or your keys or your wrist. I don't know what you'd want to do with it. But place it and bind it somewhere and say, Lord, every time that I struggle with waiting on you longer, I'm going to bind my life closer. So I want to enter in just a time of, of prayer. Take this time. Use this space how you need to, whether it's up here at the altar, in your seat, in the back, whatever that means. Uh, please feel free to come up and get strings if you'd like. But don't rush anything this morning. We have all the time in the world. <laughs>